Good evening, Family Church Haven. Welcome to Sunday Night Local. I hope that you've had a good day and uh, are having a good bank holiday weekend and managing to avoid the um, April showers that seem to be May showers uh, this year. We went out for a walk earlier and got caught right in the middle of one, but I hope uh, that you've managed to avoid them and are having some um, relaxation time maybe over this weekend and just getting the most that you can out of it. I've got a bit of a cold as you can probably hear this evening but we're going to power on through and hopefully my voice will hold out um, for the entirety of this study because there's a lot that I want to communicate with you um, this evening. But we're continuing in the thoughts um, that we've been in entitled We Are Team and uh, taking time to look at uh, this kingdom team that we're a part of and really what we're doing is looking ahead to June and the time when we can all gather together and um, really excited about that, really cannot wait um, for that. Again, this morning we had the kids coming in for the uh, kids' church, for school age children, and it's just so great to see um, the children turning up and uh, the building bustling with life once again um, on a Sunday morning specifically. But looking forward to when we're all gathered together uh, for the Sunday morning gatherings, even though stuff continues to happen um, throughout the week. Um, but so we're looking ahead to June and studying scripture to remind ourselves of the power of the church, not the power of a gathering once a week, but the power of who we are as the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ. And there's truth that as Family Church haven't, we're not just an organisation, we're not uh, just a charity, we are the people of God, we are the family of God, we are a kingdom team that God wants to use um, to win souls, to make disciples and to see his kingdom extended in this era of heaven where he has placed us. So what we're doing is um, in this series looking at different aspects of what the church is, reminding ourselves of our role within it and then that's leading up to the 16th of May. Uh, we are doing an evening entitled uh, Gather and Build, Gathering Family, Building Team and we're going to spend time talking about Sunday mornings and what they're going to look like from June onwards, talking about a couple of changes that we're making. Uh, and so if you consider Family Church haven't your home church, then I want to really encourage you, please do all you can to be a part of that evening on Sunday the 16th of May. Uh, you can go to the weekly emails that we send out and there's a link on there. Or if you go to family.church, our website, then on the front page there's a link that you can click on and it will take you to all the uh, Gather and Build evenings to select haven't and uh, register for that evening. And that's gonna be a great time together as a congregation, where as I said, our so vision, share a few updates and changes, and then talk about how you uh, can be a part of what we are looking um, to build. Now, um, over the last two weeks, we've talked about the church as a body. We've talked about the church as a family, and God's household last week, we talked about the many rooms of church. If you remember, we talked about how to get the best out of this church community, not just to focus on Sunday mornings, um, but the entirety of what the church family can be to you. Now, tonight I want to uh, share a message or a teaching entitled The Greatest Cause. I want to talk about the greatest cause. And the reason I want to talk about this is because we can talk a lot about the what of church, um, of being a kingdom team in heaven, but we'll never have a passion for that or engage with it unless we first understand the why. Why is this kingdom team so important? What is the why of church? The why is the cause of Christ. Okay, so the church of Jesus Christ 
is not a social club. We're not a social club, even though um, we are relational and we do life with one another. We're more than a social club. We're not um, a karaoke bar. I hope you know that. We're not a karaoke bar, even though music and singing form a big part of what we do in our gatherings. Um, we go beyond singing. We're a people of worship. We're not... Um, a charity that just does charitable deeds, even though we are registered as a charity as a church. We're not about doing charitable deeds, even though the love of God compels us to do acts of kindness to those around us. That's not our primary motivation or why either. The primary purpose and motivation and the why of church is simply the cause of Christ. And so I want to look at that this evening. What is the cause of Christ? Put simply, the cause of Christ is this. It's the purpose, the plan, and the mission of serving Christ. The purpose, the plan, and the mission of serving Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul writes these words. Let me just grab a drink. Philippians 1, verse 13. Paul says this. My imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole guard and to everyone else. So Paul was teaching here as he was writing this letter to the, to the church in Philippi that his missionary work was all about the cause of Christ. So when we talk about the cause of Christ what are we meaning? We're talking about acting as part of God's mission to reach others with the gospel. That's what we're giving our lives to when we give our lives to the cause of Christ. Now remember we looked at the fact last week that the great commission of Matthew chapter 28 um, wasn't just given to church leaders. Jesus didn't say, okay, pastors gather together, I've got a mission and a commission for you. No, no, this was given to every believer, first to his disciples in that moment, to, but to everybody who would call upon the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. He gives us this mission, this co-mission. He, he says, this is what I'm asking of you, that we're to go and make disciples. We're to baptise them in water and in the Holy Spirit. And we're teaching them to be obedient to the things that Jesus called us to do. That's the call upon our lives. And the cause of Christ and his kingdom is far greater than any other cause that we could give our lives to or get committed to or be involved with. Now, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said these words, these words that we know so well. He said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus today continues to build his church and the enemy cannot stop it. COVID cannot stop it. Nothing can stop Jesus from building his church. And he's building not through stuffy organisations or through um, buildings with stained glass windows. He's building through his people. As we looked at in the last two weeks, the body of Christ, the family of God, on the earth who are ready to change the world through his power and make a kingdom impact where he has placed us. So Jesus is building his church and the great thing is that he invites us to play our part in this cause that he is committed to. Now you may say well what difference can I make? Um, you know when you look at my background, when you look at 
uh, who I am? What difference can I make? So often we write ourselves off because it's such a huge cause. It's such a big cause and we think, well, what difference can I make? Listen, God has always used the lives of ordinary, everyday people like you and I to do extraordinary things in his kingdom. You read through the Old Testament, you read through the New Testament, read, uh, take time to read through the Gospels. You see how ordinary lives were changed and used by God to go and change other lives and to go and change communities. So there's an invitation from heaven today to play our part in the cause of Christ. No matter what our story, no matter what our background, no matter what you feel you can or can't do, what a privilege that the creator of everything invites me and invites you to play our part in co-laboring with what he is building. You know, in my life, I know that there's many causes that I could give time to, energy to, give myself to, and there's many good charities and causes that I get involved with, but the cause of Christ is the greatest cause that I could ever get involved with. Let me just share just for a moment why Kirsty and I um, do what we do. Again, the why behind the what. The Kirsty and I choose to do what we do because you need to understand this isn't you know, this was never a job aspiration for me to be a pastor. It wasn't like I was sat in a careers office and they said, hmm, you'd make a good pastor. In fact, at that stage of my life, that would probably not have even entered the list because of my life being so messed up and me being so crazily far from God in that moment. Um, so it wasn't a job aspiration, okay? It wasn't like a career thing. I'm going to be a pastor. Never, ever um, did that enter my mind. It's a calling that God's placed upon my life. But do you know what? Pastoring at times, especially if you didn't do it with a grace and the strength of God, could be something that's overwhelming. And I'm not saying that to get sympathy. I'm saying that because I'm leading to a point. Um, but do you know what? There's, there's struggles that comes against us as we lead because there's not just the ordinary everyday challenges, but there's a spiritual bombardment that can come against a couple when they say, we're going to give our lives to live in for the cause of Christ. Because the enemy doesn't want us doing what we're doing, leading the people of God into where he is calling them to go. And so there's a, an, a bombardment that can come against us. But do you know what? The reason that we get back up again, the reason that we keep going, the reason that we commit our lives to this cause is because we know that no other cause on earth can change the lives of people now and for eternity like the cause of Christ does. And one of our greatest passions and one of our greatest um, blessings as we've given our lives to the cause of Christ, especially the last 12 years of leading Family Church Haven, this kingdom team in Haven, it is not getting buildings. It's not about numerical growth or planting in new locations. The greatest joy in our lives has seen been uh, in, in seeing God transform individual lives and individual couples and, and, and families turning their lives in upside down, not just because it's a, a life transformation for the here and now, but that it rescues them from an eternity away from God. And it's making a difference to the community where he has placed us. No other cause on earth can change people's lives like the cause of Christ. No other cause on earth, as Pastor Andy's been sharing over the last two weeks, can have eternal ramifications like the cause of Christ. And it's not just us as pastors. We all, as followers of Jesus Christ, every single one of us engaged in this study tonight, have an invitation from Jesus to live our daily lives for the cause of Christ. Again, this is not just a Sunday morning thing. 
when we gather together. We can live every single day of our lives for the cause of Jesus Christ, wherever he is placed, whether, I don't know, you're, you're a postman, uh, whether you are raising your kids, whether uh, you work in an office, whether you run your own business, whether you're retired, whatever you are, whatever you do, you can be used by Jesus to commit your life to his cause. Now, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, is a verse that's, that's always resonated uh, with me. It's um, shared by Moses, and Moses is speaking, it's recorded in Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, what's he saying in that moment? He's saying, Help me to know the value of my days. Help me to live my life wisely and well, knowing that I only get one shot of this thing called life. Psalm 39 verse 4 to 5 echoes those thoughts and, and kind of underlines it. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Now, I'm not reading that to depress you on this bank holiday weekend. You're like, wow, I tuned in to listen to my pastor encourage me tonight and he's telling me about how my life's going to be over soon. No, 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 I'm not reading that to depress you, but to say in reality, life is short and we're to live it with purpose. For every day that we're alive, we have an opportunity to live for the purposes of God. Every day that there's breath in our body, there's a reason why we're still alive. You don't have to be an 18-year-old somewhere in the far-flung places of the earth on the mission field to make a difference for God. You can make a difference for God right here in the here and now, doing whatever he's called you to. You can make a difference for God by not focusing on what you can't do anymore or regretting what you once were able to do, but doing what God enables you to do in the here and now to make a difference and to live for his cause on the earth. So as we speak about the greatest cause tonight, there's three things that I want to encourage us in, in, in the time that we have left this evening. And that's an encouragement to number one, be committed to the cause. To number two, be united in the cause. And number three, to remain faithful to the cause. So firstly, to be committed to the cause for those taking notes, committed to the cause. We're to live life every day that we're alive, committed to God and his ways committed to the cause that he places upon our lives. 1 Kings 8 verse 61, a great command. It says, and may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God, to live by his decrees and to obey his commands. What a great way to live that every day we wake up, we say, I'm going to live committed to your ways, God. I'm going to be obedient to what you've called me to do. We know in the book of Acts, the early church devoted themselves to God and what he was doing in them and through them. And when you look at the original language and the original word, that word for devoted wasn't a one-off thing. It wasn't something that happened at a conference. It was a continual devotion, a persistent devotion to God and what he was doing. The Apostle Paul, wasn't he, was somebody who was committed to the ways of God and committed to the cause of Christ. Nothing could stop his commitment. Nothing could hold him back. They, they would whip him. They would beat him. They would put him in prison. And it wouldn't stop him from living for the cause of Jesus Christ. 
in his letter to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verses 11 to 12, he writes this. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed for it. So for I know the one in whom I trust and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lists a whole load of stuff that he went through. He says that he was beaten, that he was shipwrecked three times, um, that he had sleepless nights, that he faced countless dangerous situations. He was thirsty, he was cold, he was hungry, and yet he remained committed to the cause of Christ. Why? Because he understood that the cause of Christ was the greatest thing that he could live for. I, I want to encourage each and every single one of us. I want to encourage myself and challenge myself tonight. Let's be committed every day of our lives, not just a Sunday morning, every day of our lives. Let's be committed to living for the cause of Jesus Christ, the greatest cause that we could live for. And let me just say this, and I believe it's important I say this, the commitment to Christ isn't only displayed by your level of activity. Okay, so your level of commitment is not solely displayed by how much you do or your activity. Because maybe you're older and you say, well, I, I can't do the things that I once used to do for God physically. I just can't do it. I, I can't be involved in what I used to be involved with for God. That doesn't mean you're any less committed. You know, when you think of us as a kingdom team, our, our commitment may be shown in our prayers and how we intercede. Our prayers may be shown, oh, sorry, our commitment may be shown in our speech, in our love, in our encouragement, in our financial giving, in the way that we carry ourselves. And yes, for some of us also in our serving, in our practical serving. So if we have the ability to serve, then we should serve with passion because it's the cause of Christ and it's the greatest cause that we can live for. But at any stage of our lives, no matter what life looks like, we can serve the cause of Christ. We can be committed to the cause. The second thing is this, but as a kingdom team where God has placed us in heaven, we need to be united in the cause. Ellie spoke a great word earlier this year on a unity and its importance. And, you know, unity is so important in what we do as a kingdom team for God. That if you look at a sporting team so often, if there's a disunified dressing room, it will often be displayed in the way that they're ineffective on the pitch. And we've got to understand that as a kingdom team, the enemy would stop at nothing to disunify the family of God. Because he knows what God can do through us when we're united. He knows that there is um, a blessing that God commands upon unity. And he knows the potential of a unified people of God. Psalm 133 verse 1. The psalmist says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when we live in unity. Later on in that same psalm, it speaks of God's commanded blessing. I want God's commanded blessing upon everything that we do. Now, remember at the beginning of the Bible, there's a, there's a, a story that we read of, an account of something that happened 
where we see the power of unity in a negative context. It was the, the people of Babel, they began to build the tower of Babel and they were building it for their own pride. There was wrong motives in their hearts. And listen to what the Bible says, Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. Genesis 11, verse 6. God looked down and he says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have one language. Listen to that sound of oneness coming. They are one people and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing they have imagined they will do will be impossible for them. So God looks at them in this moment and he says, they're one people. They're speaking one language. Nothing's going to be impossible for them because of the power of unity. And so he comes and he disrupts their languages. And that's a, a negative context of what unity can do. But let's look for a moment at a positive angle on what unity can do. Acts chapter 2. We see the flip side of this with the early church. Acts 2, 46 to 47. It says, so continuing daily with one accord. There's that word again, that thought of oneness. In one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. What was the result? And we know this. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So their, their effectiveness in the field, in the world, in for the kingdom of God, was an outworking of the unity and the oneness that they displayed together. Now this oneness, this unity, for us as a kingdom team, is often shown in the way that we are towards one another. And there's a practical outworking to it. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus says this in Ephesians 4, 2 to 4. 2 to 4. It says, always be humble and gentle. Now, notice that word, always. Not when you feel like it, when you've had a good day. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So Paul's right into the church and he says, if you are part of the kingdom family of God, then it's your responsibility to defend the unity of that family, to protect the unity of the church. Now that's displayed in how we practically are with one another because unity is an outworking of God's love. So we're to be united in this cause of Christ. So we're to be fighting together, not fighting each other. We have a common enemy. We're not enemies against each other. So we're to be committed to the cause of Christ. We're to be united in the cause of Christ. And here's where I want to just close up this evening. We're to remain faithful to the cause of Christ. Now, I want us to look at a well-known parable this evening. And actually, Pastor Andy touched upon it this morning when he was talking about it in a heavenly context. Now, he read it from the book of Luke. I want to read it from the uh, book of Matthew uh, the Gospel of Matthew this evening. So um, Jesus was, of course, the master communicator, the master storyteller. And here he tells his parable. Now, just turn your Bibles there, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, because I want us to read this through together. So just going to give you a moment to turn there, Matthew 25 and verse 14. So whether you have a physical Bible, or maybe you'll find this on the Bible app on your phone or wherever, um, or maybe just listen to me read it, but... Uh, let's read it through and then I've got a couple of observations 
to make of the time that we have left. So it says this, for it is just like a man who was about to take a journey and he called his servants together and entrusted them with his possessions. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And then he went on his journey. The one who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made a profit and gained five more. Likewise, the one who had two made a profit and gained two more. But the one who had received the one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled accounts with them. And the one who had five came and brought him five more, saying, Master, you entrusted me five talents. See, I have made a profit and gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and trustworthy over a little. I will now put you in charge of many things. Share in the joy of your master. Also, the one who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have made a profit and gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and trustworthy over a little. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Share in the joy of your master. The one who had received one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and demanding man, reaping the harvest where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid to lose the talent, and I went and I hid it in the ground. See, you have what is your own. But the master answered him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap the harvest where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed. Then you ought to have put my money with the bankers and at my return I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has and values his blessings and gifts from God and is used them wisely, more will be given and he will be richly supplied so that he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have because he has ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts from God, even what he does have will be taken away. So Pastor Andy was looking at this parable this morning in the context of heavenly rewards. When we read this parable, especially in the context of Matthew chapter 24 and 25, and it's important to read those chapters together when you're able to, there's an application for the Jewish people. We're going to understand it in this context when we read it in the book of Matthew. Um, Jesus is teaching on the last days and he's talking specifically first and foremost to the Jewish uh, people. And he, he gives uh, that parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids depending on what translation you're reading from. And he's really talking about living uh, with a state of expectancy, uh, a state of preparation. And that's how we're to live, especially as we look um, to the last days and return of Jesus Christ. Um, whereas this next parable that we've just read, the parable of a free servant, of a parable of a talent or riches, whatever your translation calls it, it's more about diligence in this present age with what God has blessed us with. So yes, this is uh, a message to the Jewish people in the last days, but it also has universal application to us today and how we live for the cause of Christ. And so Jesus begins to unpack this and he says, there's a master. And as we touched upon this morning, that master is Jesus, isn't it? He is the owner. He's the ultimate ruler. This is what Colossians 1, 15 to 17 says about Jesus. That Christ 
is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus existed before anything else was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So we understand that Jesus is the master, he is the owner, and he talks about these three servants. Now we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are servants of God. Paul would describe himself when he wrote the epistles, he would often introduce himself as a bond servant, a bond servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the master in this parable gives the servants five talents, two talents and one talents. Now in today's language, talents, of course, means an ability or um, a gifting to do something. But in these days, and what Jesus was talking about was uh, financial riches in this moment. Um, so he's talking about finances in a sense, and a talent would have been a lot of money in today's money. And so he's talking about them being gifted this finance. And then he goes on a long journey and he comes back later on to see what they have done with what he has entrusted to them. Now today, we need to understand in this context that everything that we have has been entrusted to us by God, that we are stewards of what he has given to us. And just like the master in this parable, Jesus has entrusted us with a number of things and then he has gone, the Bible says in John chapter 14 verse three, it tells us that he has gone, he has ascended, he has gone to prepare a place for us. And that one day he will return to collect what is his. But until then, he's left us with this cause to live for. He's given us this commission. We are commissioned ambassadors of his kingdom. And it's an incredible responsibility that he's given us. One that I believe that we should take very seriously. And so for us, when we look at what we've been entrusted with, this could speak of our time of our money, of our body, of our giftings, of our possessions, so much because I've learned all that we have been given is God's. All that we've been handed has been just entrusted to us for a season. Even my children, I know, have been entrusted to me by God, but I'm a steward of the three precious girls that he's given me to watch over and do the best that I can with as a parent, but ultimately they are God's before they are mine. I want to do the best with what God has entrusted to me. How about you? We need to do the best with what we have been given. And so Jesus says the first two did that. They used what they had been given and they saw individual fruitfulness and increase. I'm challenged but I want to see um, God using me by, by me using what he has entrusted me with to serve the cause of Christ and to see fruitfulness in my life and to see a kingdom increase as a result of that. But the last servant, and isn't it interesting that he had a perception problem when it came to Jesus, when he came to the master, that he sees him as this cruel taskmaster and not a generous, gracious Lord that he had the privilege to serve. Sometimes when it comes to, to the things of God, to the house of God, we view serving God as something that's legalistic, something that we feel we have to do because, you know, it's the right religious thing to do. No, it should be a pleasure. It should be a joy to live for the cause of Christ. But this guy had a perception problem when it came 
to his master. And so he didn't take joy in the promise of a master returning, but instead he wasted everything that he had been given. Everything that he'd been entrusted with. And as a result, he saw no growth and no return. It's a sobering parable. Because the truth is one day, our Saviour, who has gone to prepare a place for us, as talked about in Matthew 24 and 25, he is one day coming again. And we need to live in a state of preparation, especially when we look at the craziness that is going on all around us. We need to understand the magnitude of the final days that we are in, ready for his return. And when he does, whenever that may be, he will want to know what we've done with these precious days, these lives that we have been given by him. Were we good stewards of what belongs to him? Or did we bury what we had been given? It's a great challenge for us this evening. What have we learned tonight? The cause of Christ is the greatest cause on earth because it's the only cause that can really transform people and change communities. Jesus uses his body, the church, the family of God to outwork his cause on the earth, not just on a Sunday morning, but every day that the people of God are alive. And as the church, as a kingdom team, the word encourages us to be committed to the cause, to be united in the cause, and to remain faithful to the cause. And when we choose to be all of those things, do you know what? History records and the God's word declares that it will bring about individual fruitfulness a sense of purpose, a sense of joy, a sense of peace, a sense of longing and belonging. And it will bring kingdom growth everywhere that we are. I pray that's a challenge to each of us this evening. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Before I do, let me just give you another quick reminder. May the 16th, please, if you call Family Church Haven't Home, be a part of this evening. Sign up by going to family.church. Next week, we're taking a one-week break. There's not going to be a Sunday night local next week. Then the 16th of May, we've got Gather and Build Night. And then the week after that, on the 23rd, we're going to begin a brand new series on Sunday night local. So we'll tell you more about that. Uh, soon but there isn't a Sunday night local next week it's back two weeks after that but then we've got gather and build on the 16th of May let me just pray for you this evening as we close Heavenly Father I thank you on this bank holiday weekend that we've had the opportunity uh, to spend time in your word I thank you for those who have watched this evening uh, and I pray that those who watch later on will also be blessed uh, and challenged in equal measure by this word. Jesus, I thank you that you have given us a cause to live for, that every day that we wake up, we're not just here by accident. There's a reason that we're alive. There's a reason that we're on the surface, something that you've got for us to do. And whatever our day looks like, every single day, we can live for the cause that you have placed upon us. Father, I thank you for this kingdom team called Family Church Haven. I thank you that individually in our individual worlds we can live for you, but also corporately together. You want to use us in this area of heaven and beyond to live for your kingdom, to display the magnitude of who you are, the glory of who you are, to live full on for your cause and to transform where you have placed us upside down for your kingdom, we pray. Lord, I just speak blessing over every single person, every individual, every household watching this evening. May they have a restful weekend 
and step into this new week full of everything that you have for them. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Have a great week and uh, a break next week and then gather and build on Sunday the 16th of May. See you soon.